So the reading this morning is taken from the Gospel of John. Um, We're starting in chapter 20, reading verses 1 to 18. It's on page 1089, if you've got the Red Bibles. So John 20, 1 to 18. Early, on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They've taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they've put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and arrived at the tomb first. He bent over and looked at the strips of linen lying there, but didn't go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as a cloth that had been wrapped round Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. They still didn't understand from scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Now, Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They've taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they've put him. At this, she turned round and saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't realise that it was Jesus. He asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned towards him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. Thank you. Thank you, Rachel, for reading that. Uh, Let me add my welcome and good morning on this Easter Easter Sunday morning. If you want to, keep, keep that Bible passage open in front of you as we come to look at it, and I'll lead us in a short prayer. Oh, Lord God, thank you for this day on which we remember the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Uh, please would you help us by your Spirit as we look at these words now uh, to understand what it's about so that we might see him with eyes of faith and believe. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. As you've heard, it was, it's been our church holiday club this past
past week. Been wonderful to see some of the photographs. What they don't communicate is the sheer noise uh, during the week. Uh, the singing, the laughter, the squeals of delight, the squelching as foam pies were put in faces uh, and people sat on it in the chairs. It's just been a delightful time. If you were involved in leading or helping with that, thank you so much. I know the, the children who were there, my own included, uh, loved it. We had this theme for the, the Holiday Club of Lost and Found, hence this, this wonderful prop uh, that was there uh, all week, uh, Lost Property. Have you lost anything this week? Uh, maybe as you think back, maybe you've been looking for something, uh, or, or maybe... Uh, maybe you are just, just looking for something. We're, we're all looking for things, aren't we? Maybe it's been chocolate eggs this morning. Maybe people in your house have been uh, looking for them. There, there appears to be uh, some chocolate eggs under some seats, and I kid you not that Rachel, who's leading the service, uh, and me who's speaking now, we have no idea what they're for, so maybe at some point we'll find out. But if you've got one under your seat, maybe that will be a treat for you. But we're, we're all looking for things, aren't we? Some chocolate eggs, maybe... Maybe it's a holiday destination. Uh, in the coming week, maybe you're going to do one of those last-minute deals. You're looking for that. Uh, but our, our days, our weeks, our months, they are spent looking for things, aren't they? Fun and fulfillment, satisfaction and success. Uh, maybe at landing in church, even this Easter, you, you're looking for something different. Maybe it's kind of an answer to some of the bigger questions in life, maybe even about God. That's why you find yourself here this morning. Or maybe you would kind of think of yourself as not being a looker anymore. You found it. You found the thing you thought you, thought you were looking for, the, the person, the place, uh, the position uh, to be in. But even if that's you, it still kind of says we're, we're all looking for things. And you know how it works is we, we set goals, we achieve them, we, we feel good, and then after that, well, you kind of set goals uh, and you achieve them. And then you feel good for a bit. And then, well, what? Uh, what, what comes next? Look, here's one person's take on it from a film. It's an interesting question, isn't it? Jude Law is asking in that film, what, what have I really got? You ever think that? Stop and think, what, what have I really got? And Easter, you might not have thought of it this way before, but Easter asks that kind of question. What are you looking for? And what have you got? And maybe you'd answer, well, my life's my own. A bit like Jude Law was saying there, my life's my own. But, but then what about peace of mind? What if we lost this thing that we think we found? What if we found we'd lost this life? Maybe you have thought that. What have I got that I can actually hold on to and keep? And if you ever get to that point, you realize that our stories, in, in lots of ways, they kind of echo the, the Easter story that we've got here in front of us. Here there's Mary Magdalene and there's some disciples in the first couple of verses and you could put it like this, they'd, they'd been looking for something, they'd been looking for something to turn death's full stop into life's dot, dot, dot. That's what they'd been looking for. The, the, the full stop at the end of life, they, they'd been looking for something that would, would change it so that it could continue in some way. But what they seem to have found is just another grave. 
the hopes for, for peace of mind. They, they thought it was Jesus. They'd been persuaded that he had the answer to the full stop at the end of life. He talked plainly uh, about the mess uh, we make of things, the, the reason why for all our protests that we're uh, as, good as, as good as most and, and better than many, that we know that we, we do still profoundly wrong things. And Jesus spoke uncomfortably at times about our sin and about our guilt and how God had placed a death sentence over our lives. That's where the, the full stop comes from. Yet he also spoke about God loving us. And here comes Jesus saying that he was God walking on earth to make a way to turn death's full stop into life's dot, dot, dot a way that it could continue, back on track, forgiven, more to come, and peace of mind. And they'd started to hope, these followers of his, until three days before when Jesus' life hit a full stop. But that was Friday, and this is Sunday, and the message of Easter is that Jesus really did change that full stop. The first one in the whole of history, because looking in the tomb on that first Easter Sunday morning, it was empty. And Mary says, if you've got the Bible there in front of you in verse 2, she, she says this, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they've put him. And Peter gets there in verse 6, and he sees there's no body in the tomb. And before long, they're saying, we've seen him. Easter says, oh, Jesus has been raised from the dead. Now, plenty of people think, you'll know that. You, you might have thought this in the past. You might still think it now. Look, plenty of people think that, that's just impossible. And if you, if you ever find yourself thinking that, you'd be in good company. Mary going to the tomb, verse 1, she wasn't expecting the resurrection. The disciples running to the tomb in verse 4, they're not expecting the resurrection. Mary on her own, away from the others later on in verse 14, wasn't expecting to meet Jesus. Everyone knows stuff like this doesn't happen. Well, it just doesn't, does it? Things like this uh, don't happen, and yet something persuaded them. I mean, how do you think about this? When you hear a story like this, you, you think, look, what about the science? Uh, what about wishful thinking? What, what about planned deception? As science tells us, look, dead people don't come back to life. They, they just don't. And that's right. In the area that science documents, science documents things that occur in the natural world, that occur by natural causes. And if you're only looking at that, totally right, dead people do not rise. But that's not the claim. That's not the claim of Easter. The claim of Easter is, is not that this was just something a bit ordinary, a bit that you could expect to happen. No, the claim is that God has done something that operates outside the normal workings of His world. So how could science measure that? Something beyond that? Well, wishful thinking. Uh, on the part of, of Jesus' followers, produced by grief, they started imagining what they wanted to be true. And, and look, grief is powerful. Many of you will know that, so you could imagine it with perhaps one or two of his closest friends. But by the end of that first Sunday, there's going to be almost 20 of them talking about this. 
having the same detailed wishful thinking, which involves lengthy conversations, physical contact, shared meals. It's hard to have group wishful thinking on all those things. And so planned deception? His followers wanting to keep the cause going put around a story that he'd come back to life. And you kind of see it, but, but the more you think about it, what's really hard to understand, isn't it, is you, you think about this planned deception theory is that within 24 hours, this, uh, this detailed deception had begun. Yet at the beginning of the day, no one was even expecting it. When did they have time to, to make it up? Coordinate their stories. And even if they did, most of the people who were, who were leaders most suffered for, for continuing to follow him. Many were killed. And you, you think to, to suffer and die for something you knew was a deception right from the beginning, well, that sounds a stretch. So perhaps better to ask questions like this. Look, is, is it possible? If you just knock the slide on, Sam. Is it possible that there is a God, and on occasions He might do something out of the ordinary, and resurrection could be one of them? I mean, if there is a God, it's at least possible, isn't it? Now, is it plausible that the disappearance of the body, the, the message of the disciples, the, the change in their lives, that that a plausible explanation is the one they shared. And then moving on from that, is it probable? The other explanations that some have suggested that, that Jesus fainted on the cross, that He woke up in the tomb, that He moved the stone, that He slipped away past the guards, or, or that the disciples stole a guarded body, they're hard to swallow. And if you're not going to go for the easy option of, well, it just didn't happen, and you weigh up the eyewitness testimony, and you think about the alternative theories before you even get to the predictions that Jesus himself made, despite how unusual it seems, many people throughout history have found themselves saying, it really does seem probable. However unusual, Jesus rose from the dead. Now, if you're a Christian already, you've landed on an answer. If you're not, maybe you're here and you, you think, I'm still weighing this stuff up. Maybe you're here and you're not a Christian, uh, and you're thinking about it. I'd love to know what you make of it, and, and let me encourage you, why not read more? Uh, why not check it out. Here's one of the accounts of Jesus' life that we've been looking at. You can pick one of these up for free. Do take one of those and, and think more about it. But look, for these last few minutes, what I want to do is just show us in a couple of ways what the resurrection of Jesus Christ means, if it's true, and it is. So with the risen Jesus, you find a reason for confident hope and a reason to feel securely loved. Look, confident hope, first of all. Look, we started by asking, look, what are you looking for? What have you got? Uh, money in our pockets, uh, some nice threads, a peace of mind, but one day it'll be gone. We know that's true for all of us. It, here's another little clip that might be familiar to you. Most unfortunate, Captain. 
You know the story. You've probably seen the film Titanic. Wonderful ship. Filled with all sorts of incredible things, but she would sink. There's a mix of people on board. Some wealthy, some were poor. Some were oblivious to the danger. Some didn't even want to, to think about it, didn't want to believe it. But when you, you look at where they were heading... You know there's one thing that you need, something that can rescue you, and on the Titanic, the only hope is a lifeboat. If I was to ask, what's the qualification for a good lifeboat? It seems kind of obvious question, a silly question, isn't it? It's kind of obvious. It needs to float. That's, that's really the qualification for a lifeboat. And when the ship's going down, you need something that's staying up. Now, if you leave Titanic uh, for a minute and come back to our lives in the Easter story, the, the question that Jesus asks Mary is in verse 15 of our reading, if you wanted to look at it. He, he asked this question. Let me read it for you again. Woman, woman, why are you crying? And who is it you're looking for? And at one level, it's a simple question. The answer is kind of obvious, but there's more to it. Because Mary's one of the people who put her hope in Jesus, thought he could deal with deaths full stop. And if our lives are, are like the Titanic, full of, full of some brilliant things, but ultimately sinking, you need something that can float. So here's what this question is getting at. Who is it you were looking for? What kind of lifeboat do you need? What's the qualification for being the one who could rescue from the grave and from God's judgment? We need to be someone who could go through death and come out the other side. Someone who, when the waves of death drag him down, his life is so strong that it floats up again. And if you can get your head around that, you'll see what the resurrection means. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ on the cross was sunk under the water of God's judgment on sin. And he said he was doing that to bear the price for your sin and for mine so that we could find forgiveness. And three days later, he resurfaced to new life. And he's able to bring you with him. In the resurrection of Jesus, God confirms and completes the work of the cross. The price for sin is paid. Death has died at the resurrection. And that's just staggering. Peter and John get it. If you look at verse 8 in the Bible, John is the other disciple, and he gets to the tomb, and he looks in, and you see what he says. We get this description of it. It says, he saw and believed. He gets it. Just looking into this empty tomb, he gets it. The body's not been stolen. That doesn't make any sense. Now, what he gets, what he believes is somehow Jesus has risen from the dead. And just after that, we're told, they still did not understand from Scripture, where God had promised all these things, they still didn't understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. What, what does that mean? I think it's this. You don't need to immediately understand everything that God is doing to be persuaded that Jesus rose from the dead. The fact of the resurrection will help you. Even if you're someone who finds some things about God difficult, and of course you will. Trying to think about God is not the easiest thing to think about, but the resurrection is there to persuade you this is true. You can be persuaded, though, 
that God must be up to something good because in Jesus you find God bringing life from death to forgive and save you. And that gives you confident hope because Jesus isn't a fairy tale. You can trust him. And with that knowledge, if you're trusting him, you can head into life and you can face any challenge that comes your way with hope because the greatest obstacle that anyone will ever face, death, has been objectively defeated. Whatever happens to you, from this point on, if Jesus Christ has become your Savior, your life will not end with a full stop. That's what the resurrection means. And here's the second thing about securely loved. Do you notice, if it was read through, when, when Peter and John begin to twig that Jesus has risen, uh, Jesus is not there. He could have been. He could have made himself present there, but he's not. They're left with some objective facts, I guess, to, to work through. We've just got to think this stuff through. What does this mean? Let's tie up the evidence. But with Mary, it's different. She's back at the tomb weeping. She's a hot mess in front of the grave as she looks at this stuff, and Jesus comes and meets her. There's all sorts in this passage of what's going on, what Jesus says to her. But as she's confused and upset, in verse 16, Jesus speaks her name, Mary. Earlier in John's book, Jesus describes himself as the good shepherd who knows and calls his sheep by name. And here he is doing it. What does this tell you? I think it tells you this. The, the Christian good news is not just objective facts to believe in, although it gives you those. So you can have confident hope. No, this tells you as well the Christian good news is personal. The God you meet in Jesus Christ cares about how you feel. The reason he's won your forgiveness is not so that you'll be free to go, but so that you'll be welcome to stay. And that means from this point on, whatever else happens to you, you can know that you are loved securely by the one who's taken on death for you. Without Easter... You're thinking about lost and found. Without Easter, what do you lose? In the end, everything. You'll lose everything. With Easter, what do you find? Death's full stop has become life's dot, dot, dot. And the risen life of Jesus, it doesn't just portray hope and love. It's the kind of life he brings you into, even now. So we say Happy Easter, don't we? And the reason for that is because we've got reasons to be confident, reasons to feel loved, and reasons in the end to worship, to worship the God who saved us in the Lord Jesus.